Ireland thought is number one. A kickstart for Australia. Gold and a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on the third. He's got it. 984, a world record for Donovan Bailey and a gold medal. A perfect score. 10.0 for Dante Cavanici. A perfect score. The first time I've never seen it. It is off the podium and Olympics podcast and you're back with us here and uh, excited to once again get that vault open wide and bring you a classic interview from our parent show, The Brink's history of speaking to Olympic athletes, people involved in the Olympics and just people that just like the Olympics. And uh, today's a special one again. This person actually isn't an Olympian, but involved in the sport that is curling, an Olympic sport. His name is Gerald Chick. And uh, if you listen to our Catherine Skinner interview recently, you would have heard uh, us talk a little bit about curling. And I made reference to the fact that I had interviewed somebody from curling before uh, in, in the Brinks history. And this is that interview I speak of, Gerald Chick. And again, not necessarily an Olympian. And Australia has never had a representative in curling or a, a team in curling at any Olympics. And I still think this is a fascinating chat, though, that we need to hear because curling, again, this is my sport, people. This is a sport that I will represent Australia in the Olympics one day. I'm going to be part of that historic first curling team one day, apparently. I don't know when, but I'll try and make it happen. But Gerald Chick is a guy involved in curling in Australia. And Colin and any Canadian listening to this curling is second only to ice hockey is the greatest thing ever that they do in life. And so they'll be intrigued as much as you are right now, wherever you're listening, to hear about Australia and curling. Two things that really don't go together. And let's find out how they can go together by speaking to Gerald. Gerald Chick is an expat Canadian who has gone on to be one of the most successful curlers in this country and is one of only 200 people who play the sport in Australia. I spoke to Gerald about the sport of curling in this country as well as his predictions for the upcoming Sochi Winter Olympics. Gerald, welcome to the Brink and Edge Radio. Hello, Ben. How are you today? I am doing very well, very well. Uh, I'm very intrigued by the sport of curling as I'm sure a lot of our listeners are at the moment given the Winter Olympics are on. Now, uh, how did you personally get involved in the sport of curling? Uh, well, you could probably tell by my accent. I grew up in Canada, in the city of Winnipeg, which is a big curling capital over there. And uh, I started playing this uh, sport in high school when I was a student. Fantastic. So what brought about the uh, move to Australia? And, uh, and I guess when you came here, did you expect to find that curling was uh, played all the way down under? I was very surprised to find curling when I moved here. I came over uh, about 25 years ago to take a job here, and I've uh, stayed ever since. Uh, the fact that uh, I live in Melbourne and there was some uh, curling competitions happening here at the time was uh, a big factor in being able to stay and enjoy my early time in this country. So how do you go about finding that there's curling? Do you just head down to your local ice rink and uh, ask the question and, and you're told or did somebody sort of connect you to a, a curler or a curling club? I was given a connection before I moved to Australia. Right, okay then. From someone who knew people over here. There's not a lot of curling in Australia, so 
uh, it's really easy to to find those people around there. Uh, if you look for curling, you find the, the few of us who do it. Mm. Did you find that the most people who were involved in the sport here were expat Canadians or sort of expat Americans, people from overseas? I mean, were there many actual Australian-born people playing the sport? Oh, we have a good mix of people from uh, all parts of the world. Uh, we have quite a number of people who uh, grew up in Australia and never tried the sport till they tried it with us. Uh, a lot of them have seen it on TV now with the Winter Olympics. That's great for getting exposure for the game, and people can see wh- how exciting it really can be. Mm, well, I guess the question that a lot of people would no doubt ask you, Gerald, is uh, what actually is curling? Can you explain it? I mean, for, for some of our listeners who might not be fully aware of what the sport is, I mean, how would you explain the sport of curling? Well, we can we can do it a couple of ways. Um, I often tell people it's a lot like playing lawn bowls on ice. The game is the game is very similar. Uh, there's different some different sets of skills involved. Uh, if you want to be twee about it, you can say it's a game of throwing rocks at houses. <laughs> that that's a good way of explaining it. <laughs> yes, the the, uh, the target circles that we use on the curling ice are called the house, and of course those big stone things that we slide along the ice are well. Uh, we call them rocks because they're made of rock. Hmm. Which, which obviously makes uh, logical sense. I've also heard it be described as kind of chess on ice because there's obviously a lot of uh, strategy involved in it. I mean, do you feel like it's chess on ice, essentially? I don't think I could uh, stand up to Magnus Carlsen in that regard. <laughs> but, um, uh, yes, there's a lot of strategy involved. There's a lot of thinking about the way you do things. Um, I suppose... Uh, there is a, a huge element of precision in the game, and because of that, you have to be very careful of what you uh, what you do or what you plan to do, uh, because there are lots of ways for anyone to make shots in the game that can really change things around. Mm, well, I mean, talking about the, the rocks and um, the the ones that you see sort of being slid down the ice, I mean, these aren't just uh, pieces of rock that you find outside, are they? I mean, these are specially made uh, granite stones that uh, sort of have to meet certain requirements, aren't they? And they're, and they're quite, uh, quite rare in a way, aren't they? Because they're sourced from uh, Scotland, I believe. They're actually specifically sourced. There's a, there's a little island off the coast of Scotland with a quarry on it. It's called Elsa Craig. And uh, that's the primary source of most curling rocks in the world. They weigh about 20 kilograms each, and they're all very finely honed. You probably have to pay between $1,000 and $2,000 for a pair of them. Wow. See, there you go. Not something that I've got in my cupboard at home, actually. <laughs> so it's not like you can just sort of rock up to the ice rink on a, on a Wednesday evening or something and uh, you know bring your own rocks or stones, can you? No, no. We're very fortunate. We have uh, a, a new ice rink that you're probably aware of here in Melbourne called the the, the uh, Ice House in Docklands. And uh, when they built and set up the place, they were nice enough to purchase and supply us with a full set of curling stones that we use for our club play there on Monday night. Fantastic. So what, what are the size requirements of a curling rink? Uh, is it sort of designated by the World Curling Federation that they have to meet certain measurements, or can it kind of be played to a certain extent on any size ice rink? Uh, well, you could probably play on any size ice rink, but if you want to play properly, the uh, lanes have to be a certain length and the markings have to be certain sizes, which are all set out. Uh, but you can fit those into a number of different ice rinks if you're putting them on top of a, an ice, uh, you know, a skating rink as we do it in Melbourne. 
um, if you go out and build a purpose-built ice rink like uh, many other countries in the world have, then you uh, you build it according to the world standards. Mm, well, I ask that question because here in Tasmania, we've actually only got the one ice rink in the entire state, and it's a very small ice rink. They do play ice hockey on it, but uh, obviously they have to sort of uh, bend the rules around the size of the rink compared to what it's played internationally. So I'm just thinking, uh, should anybody bring some curling stones down, uh, down south this way, Gerald? Uh, there might be some sort of modified game of curling we could play down here. Oh, I'm sure there, I'm sure we could manage to put something onto any ice rink like that yeah <laughs> it would be very interesting is there much um of, a, of an uptake of the sport in in most states i mean is is curling played uh in every state in australia maybe with the exception of tasmania uh no tasmania is not the odd one out here uh we have we really have three active clubs in australia there's one in melbourne one in sydney and one in brisbane pretty much uh totaling perhaps about 150 200 people that uh, play the game in the country. Wow, so very select uh, number of people sort of in in the country. Uh, does that make it hard to kind of recruit people into the sport? And, and if you do try and sort of recruit people, I mean, what, what sort of angle do you take to try and get them to try the sport out? Uh, we just think that if people are willing to come out and try the sport, they'll uh, see how much fun it is and they'll want to take it up. Uh, our main barrier to people taking it up is lack of, uh, access to facilities, really. Uh, you know, e- all of these places only have limited access to ice rinks in their cities to uh, to play and to get people to come out. Well, with, uh, obviously, the equipment we were talking about, the stones, and uh, people obviously would be aware in curling, you have uh, the brooms as well. I mean, am I am I, am I calling that correctly, uh, Gerard? Are they called brooms? Do they have a specific name? No, we call them brooms too. Right. Now, are these specially made brooms? Or can you just go down to Kmart and grab a, a regular broom and use one of them? Uh, no, they are specially made brooms. Uh, nowadays, in fact, people use a variety of different uh, ways of brushing the ice. Uh, the idea is to have something that sort of warms up the ice as you brush it with the friction and kind of melts and, and polishes the ice in front of the stones as they run down. And that makes them go a little bit further and makes them go a little bit straighter as they go down the ice. So um, I tell people that, uh, you know, when you let go of a ball in lawn balls, really you don't have any more control over it. Uh, but in curling, you can control it all the way down the ice until it, it reaches the target. And that's what contributes to the high degree of precision in the sport that I mentioned earlier, is that control while it's going down the ice. Well, in the Olympics, um, curling is uh, is done with four people on a team, and I believe there is also doubles curling. So uh, I, I assume in a four-person Olympic curling team that you would have designated roles, so you would have somebody who would push the stone down the ice, and then you'd have designated sweepers? Uh, pretty much, yes. There's always one person throwing and two people sweeping, uh, but the person who's throwing rotates around in the same way that a four-person team in lawn bowls or others rotates around so everyone gets a throw is there kind of a specific um role on each team like will you have a a person on a team who is a is a better sweeper so to speak who is a a more powerful thrower i mean is there kind of any strategy involved in in the members of the team in that way yeah the 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 positions tend to get specialized so uh people who throw first or second have different specialties than the people who throw third and fourth in the rotation so what's your specialty uh my specialty uh well, I'm, I'm, I'm presently a team captain or a skip. 
so I tend to throw last, and and I'm making all the strategy calls and calling the shots in the game. Right. Okay, then. So um, it, it sort of comes down to your shoulders then on how you go into each matchup, really. Pretty much, and it's important, therefore, to know what sort of strategy you want to take in in the game and how you want to play things and. You know, have the experience to know what works and what doesn't. Is there different strategies, say, I mean, around the world, do different countries play in a different way? And Does Australia kind of have a, a main strategy or maybe a style that we sort of are known for in the international world? Uh, our, uh, our teams that have been going to international competitions have been playing their own particular style. Uh, you have to adjust your game to the, the skills of your people and what they can do. Um, uh, some some countries and some teams play a very clinical, precise game. Uh, others play uh, a, a sort of a risky strategy game. Um, I, I think um, uh, probably the Australian curling team uh, uh, that uh, has been going overseas with us has been playing a, sort of a Leighton Hewitt style of curling <laughs> uh, in a way. Uh, you know, a very um, uh, gutsy, slug it out kind of, um, hang in there kind of curling. I like that. That that works very well, I think. Uh, and, and for the Australian team itself, uh, never qualified for the Olympics, narrowly missed out uh, for Vancouver, I believe, by half a point. Um, I mean, how, how far away do you feel Australia are from uh, from qualifying maybe for the 2018 Olympics? Uh, it's hard to be optimistic, really, because we are sorely lacking in facilities for our athletes to train in Australia, wherever they are. Um, the fact that we've managed to come so close is, I suppose, testament to the innate skills of all the people who have been uh, competing for Australia over the years. Mm, well, I'm sure it would spur on the country a little bit, knowing that uh, New Zealand managed to make an appearance back in Turin. So, uh, you know, does that kind of spur on the Aussies a little bit, that we can't have New Zealand having an appearance in the sport over us? Look, I think we're a little bit jealous of them, and, and they have several ice rinks specifically made for curling that they can train on as well. Uh, we actually hold our national championships over in New Zealand because they have uh, better facilities than us. Right. Okay. So it's kind of like when we like to steal people from New Zealand away to claim them as Australians, we could start doing that with air curling facilities, perhaps. Uh that would be nice <laughs> if you've got a big enough helicopter. <laughs> uh, now, what, what's your tip, I suppose, for the uh, the Sochi Games? Canada obviously have won the last uh, two gold medals in the men's tournament and uh, two silver medals prior to that. Uh, Canada, the uh, team to beat once again for 2014? Uh, uh, Canada's always in there as a top contender in both the men's and women's curling because the depth of their competition domestically is just so great. Um, they have the majority of the talent and the, the challenge for us. But there are a number of other countries who, um, even though they don't have a lot of top competition players, they have several several good teams. And uh, I wouldn't uh, count out some of the other countries like uh, Scotland uh, or even even Norway um, as uh, as contenders. Mm. It's going to be very interesting, and I really hope that uh, Channel 10, as we know, showing the Winter Olympics here in Australia, I really hope that they show a lot more of uh, the sport than perhaps we've uh, seen over the, the last few Olympics, because it really is a unique sport, Gerald, that I think more people uh, should uh, get to see and, and get a chance to sit down and watch. I think so. It's uh, it's fun to watch. It's 
it's even more fun to play. Well, I'll tell you one thing. If I make it up there, I really want to give it a try because it certainly does look a lot of fun. And if people want more information on the sport here in Australia, they can head to curling.org.au. There's a lot of information there on the sport. You can find out uh, if you do happen to live in uh, New South Wales, Victoria or Queensland where you can play it. And, and for our Hobart listeners, look, you know, Gerald, we can uh, ship a stone or two down here and uh, give it a go on our Glenorchy Ice Skating Rink. How does that sound? I think we could try something like that. It would be very interesting indeed, Gerald. Best of luck uh, for all the competitions that come your way. Enjoy watching at the Olympics and I appreciate your time here in the Brink and Edge Radio today, mate. Thanks, Ben. Can't wait for some of that Olympic curling. Fascinating stuff. I'm just going to start training. I'm going to start pushing heavy things down my hallway and sweeping it, and then that will begin my quest for Olympic glory. I mean, again, as long as I'm part of that team, we make the Olympics, even if we get thrashed like 80 nil or however you score in curling, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I watch it. I don't understand it. Maybe I need to understand it a little bit first before I actually try and compete it. But uh, I'm going to be there. That's my life goal, to be an Olympic athlete in the sport of curling. Your life goal is to go to iTunes and subscribe and rate us and give us feedback. If that seriously is your life goal, then seriously, you're awesome. If not, then, hey, you've probably got a better life. Um, but also like us on Facebook, and uh, we appreciate any support uh, that we can get. Seriously, we need it. Uh, we're out of here. Thank you for tuning in to Off the Podium, and uh, we'll speak to you next time, wherever you like to apparently listen to our voices. <laughs> <laughs>